Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today I'm joined with Kate Ray, and she is back to talk about her paranormal investigating. Uh, I had her on episode 60. She is an expert in fairies, and I had to talk to her also about a haunted house, a couple haunted houses she's lived in. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me back, Leslie. It's lovely to talk to you. I tell you, well, you were one of my most downloaded episodes because everybody loved you, and, well, the accent doesn't hurt. So, (laughs) but no, let's get into this. So talk to me about the haunted house you grew up in, and I think you really kind of wanted to focus on something that was a little newer uh, that you lived in. So tell me all about all that. Okay, so... The house that I grew up in, I didn't so much see things as as kind of feel things. Um, I grew up in that house from the age of about one, moved out when I was about 11, so we moved into another property. But it was when I was probably about nine or 10, I used to complain about feeling like I was being watched at night. Yeah. So I, I would always have to have the landing light on because I felt like somebody was in my doorway. Yeah. And um, it didn't transpire. I mean, my, my parents, my mum is less sceptical. My dad was incredibly sceptical and we couldn't even talk about that kind of thing. Oh. And so it was probably about a year or so before we moved out of that property. We went on a, a family holiday. We were talking about spooky stuff in general and... My dad admitted that in that property, he had on several occasions seen what he thought was somebody stealing coal. So we had a coal bunker uh, for the open fire. He saw what he thought was somebody stealing coal from the bunker. And well, this is your dad who's skeptical, correct? (laughs) Completely, completely skeptical. Uh, And when he looked on several occasions, the the person just disappeared. And then on one occasion, he said that he saw a, a gentleman in sort of a, some kind of old-fashioned jacket. But the thing was, he said he had no legs. Oh, He was just floating mid-air, to which my mum looked oh. totally flabbergasted yeah. because she'd seen it also. And neither of them had spoken to each other about this gentleman that they'd seen. Oh, okay, well, let me ask you this. How old was the house you guys were in? And tell me about the town or whatever. Was it, you said coal, it's not a coal mining area. It's just you put coal in your fireplace, correct? Well, yeah, it was a, a village for miners. Oh, it so was. there was a, a colliery, a coal mine, very, very close. Oh, and okay, okay. my dad worked at the local colliery. So the history of the house was, I, I don't know the, the date of it, probably about, um, wasn't that old because it's a cold board house, so 1940s, 1950s build. Oh, um, so, you know, it wasn't Victorian or, or anything like that, but there was definitely a sense that it was a previous occupant of the property. So, I mean, I remember in that house never feeling comfortable, never um, particularly on the landing on top of the stairs. Uh, But the the property that I did want to talk to you about, which is incredibly fascinating, was the first property that I bought as an adult. Okay. Uh, If we fast forward to sort of, I think it was 2000, 2001 when I bought the property. Mm -hmm. Bearing in mind, I I wasn't a paranormal investigator then. And I'm going to be truthful. At that point in my life, I was terrified of the paranormal. Absolutely terrified. Really? Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. It wasn't even in my sphere of, of thinking. 
And I, I, I was in the property for probably just over a decade. So, you know, uh, nothing in the property fell off. I remember when I went into the property on the day that I got my keys, I said to my mum, there's nothing here, is there? You know, there's you can't sense anything. You know, sometimes when you walk into a property and it's a bit like, <gasps> oh, yeah, you know. absolutely. Yeah. So I didn't get any bad feelings. And for about three or four years, it was you know, a nice property to go into, a nice property to walk into. Mm -hmm. Things started changing. And this is the big thing. I never, ever put my finger on what occurred for things to change so dramatically. Um, There was no sort of shift in my life that was traumatic at that time. There was no, you know, I hadn't been to any paranormal investigations to bring anything into the property. Little things started happening to start off with. It was... um, I would get plumes of smells in the house. So I would walk into a room and there would be, I would walk through a pocket of a of a scent that was absolutely disgusting. Wow. I had cats at the time. So in my rational brain, I used to think, you know, it's my elderly cats. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, knowing that it wasn't, but I, I was in a state of trying to rationalise. Um, we move on. And I mean, this was sporadic. It wasn't every day. This was probably uh, once a fortnight, one, once every few weeks that I would get occurrences. And then it moved on to scratching noises. Those are the worst, aren't they? I mean, yikes, scratching noises. But let me ask you something, Kate. Yeah. Did, had you ever gone antique shopping? Were you gifted something that was somebody else's? Do you think something could have been attached to something you got or bought or was gifted? Um, I mean, it could have been. I mean, I, I am an avid collector of sort of retro-y type yeah. items. But I mean, one of the theories is within the paranormal community that, that sometimes you can pick up hitchhikers. So okay. it doesn't matter where you've been. I could have been out for a meal or I could have been you know, to a property for whatever reason, something attached itself to me and came to the property. Okay, that's, that's, that's not very comforting, Kate. <laughs> I, I know, I know. <laughs> we haven't even got to the worst of it yet, let me tell no. you. But, you know, it's funny how it just kind of all of a sudden came up. So, yeah, maybe you, and the thing is, and, and we have old places here too, but you guys have so much rich history inhabited rich history. We have a lot of our country's very old and you and I discussed that in our earlier interview. But as far as, you know, inhabited history, it's not like where you are. So yeah, I could understand why. Well, I would never want to pick up a hitchhiker, but Lord, uh, I could understand maybe where that could happen with all the history you have around you. So keep going. So that I mean, just to give you a background on this property, it was it was turn of the century. That was sort of, you know, uh, 19... Uh, 14 I think it was built Um, so it wasn't older Victorian and terrace it was older than the the property that I grew up in so the the scratching started and it was it was basically at night and it was coming from my front door so my front door was pretty much opened out onto the street so again my rational brain I'm thinking it's people walking past it's you know just sort of put it to the back of my mind and it was it was loud it was loud enough on the door but not you know not that loud that I was you know overthrew my fear and and went to investigate at that time it was just you know shut the bedroom door and think it'll go away I had new neighbors move in and the scratching then moved to the walls yeah and that's about the time when I started sleepwalking. I have never slept. What? My, yeah, I have never slept walked in my entire life. 
And the scratching on the walls, I, again, in my rational mind, kept thinking, it's the neighbours, they're decorating, you know, they're redecorating the property next door. However, this was, again, in the middle of the night. I put it down to maybe they've got split shifts, maybe, you know, they're working in the day and the night time's the only time. You know, it was all these kind of weird, rational things that didn't add up. How did you know you were sleepwalking? You know, I mean... Yeah, yeah. This is the thing, because I I found myself, I was having a dream one night that the next door neighbours were, were, I can't remember what the dream was, but the next door neighbours were doing something weird. And in my dream, I had gone to the landing hallway and had got my ear up against the wall to hear what the neighbours were doing. And I actually woke up with my ear pressed against the landing hall wall. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, that would scare the crap out of me. It, yet totally because I'd never experienced it and the uh, I mean the second sleepwalking incident was even more bizarre but um, oh I, I, I dreamt I was on holiday on a sun lounger and I went to get a pair of sunglasses in my dream and put the sunglasses on and I remember being on the sun lounger woke up in the morning and the sunglasses that were downstairs in a drawer downstairs were next to my bed so the bizarre oh images gosh. of me sat sat up in bed with these sunglasses on. <laughs> well, was... that is so bizarre. Now I have to ask because it had to have freaked you out. Did you think I need to see a doctor? I mean, no, I didn't. I I think it, again, I I went through probably about three years of denial oh. about the <laughs> the things that were going off. It was a long time of denial of putting things down to natural occurrences yeah. or you know I'm maybe a little bit stressed or it was all this rational thinking because right. of out of fear because I didn't want to think what else could be happening or what else could be going on. Understandable. Yeah. So I think when the rational side of it started dropping off was when other people started to experience things in the property. So I I lived on my own at the time, but I'd have friends and family around. Uh, One of the regular occurrences, and it only happened with my mum, she would knock on my front door, I would go to answer the door and I would get that smell. And I would open the door and apologise and say, I'm sorry, I can smell something bad. I don't know whether it's the drains or what's going off. And my my mum could always smell lilies. She smelled lilies. You smelled some kind of sewage. Yes. What? Yeah. So that was when I started thinking, something's not quite right. Something's messing with me a little bit. Something's going on. Yeah. So two of the incidents that I couldn't explain, um, I'll come back to in a minute. So my bathroom was a converted bedroom. So the bathroom would have been originally an outdoor toilet and there would have been a bath, a copper bath in front of the fire. Mm -hmm. And so the third bedroom of the property, which was a large room, was converted into a bathroom. And more than one person had real difficulty going to the bathroom on their own. They just didn't like doing it. Yeah, my cousin, um, and I didn't tell anybody about the experiences that I had in this property because I didn't want people not to to come round. But uh, I used to have to sit on the top of the stairs and talk to her while she was in the bathroom. You know, both adults, (laughs) she was that terrified that she couldn't go to the bathroom on her own. What was her feeling, though? What was it? Did she feel like she was being watched? Did she feel like somebody was just kind of hovering over her? What, What was her feeling? I think for her, it was just pure terror. She just did not want to be in that room. Um, She never really vocalised. She Mm -hmm. 
I would be talking to her and I could see the signs of her desperately needing a wee, you know, sort of the leg jigging. And I would, I'd, I'd have to prompt her and say, do, do you need the toilet? You know, it was, it, it was bizarre because again, she, she's a, a rational kind of person. She said, I don't like your hallway and I don't like your bathroom. Wow. So I was dating a guy around about that time and out of all the people who encountered things in, the, in, in that property, he was the most sceptical and rational person. And there was one, that we, we were going out to friends one night and he'd gone into the bathroom to have a wash. Mm-hmm. Now to get in the bathroom, you had to go through the doorway and go round sort of a corner, a sharp corner to get into the bathroom. Okay. So you couldn't see anybody coming through the door. He said he was having a wash, and this was hours after the incident that he told me because I I provoked him into telling me. But he said he was having a wash, and he heard me coming through the door, and he was just splashing his face with water, and he felt what he thought was me behind him and push his head into the sink of water, to which he was not amused and sort of span round as if to say, what are you doing? Um, and it wasn't, there was nobody there. It wasn't me. Okay, and that was, is scary as hell, Kate. I, I know, I know. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did believe him, but I kind of didn't want to believe him that it happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, I think that was the most frightening thing that happened to anybody else. I had a, another incident with somebody else. It was my stepsister. And we were sat in the front room. The front room, you could see right the way through to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And she just turned ashen white. She was sat looking towards the kitchen and she just turned white. And I said, what's up? And she said, have you got any water in your sink in the kitchen? And I thought, well, that is just the strangest question. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 it's, it's empty. She said, you're washing sponge for washing the pots. Yeah. She said, it's going around in circles in the sink. And I was like, no, it's so not. I didn't look and she made a sharp exit um, and that was that, you know, I don't think she ever came back to the property <laughs> after that. Oh, okay. So, so you, when you were living there, this, all this was going on and I don't know how you said, how many years were you there? It was about probably 11 or 12 okay. years. That was probably um, the span of about two years that that happened. It was bits and bobs like that. It was when it started things started happening directly to me that I became quite terrified of living there. Yeah. And so things escalated. So people had witnessed things, people had experienced things, which kind of consolidated my fear of being in that property. And it, it wasn't all the time. I wasn't, you know, constantly in terror, but there was also a buildup of a really oppressive feeling in the house. It was a very cold house even with the heating on and, and full blazing fire, you could often see your breath and people commented on that. Um, and it yeah. felt very, very, not dark, but very heavy. The, the house became very heavy. Mm-hmm. So with me, the first big incident, um, and, and one of two very big incidents, I had gone to bed one night. This was, uh, again, a few years after. So probably, if that was two years, it probably three or four years after. Um, that had happened and there were still bits and bobs going on and mm-hmm. um, I had gone to bed I wasn't asleep I had just turned out the light and I heard the scraping sound oh. and I, I tried to sort of put it out of my mind but I 
realised quite quickly that it was occurring inside the room, <gasps> not in the walls anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, and I, I'm actually chilling. I, I've got goosebumps yeah, at this bit, this bit. <laughs> I don't often tell people this. This is um, because this, this was the point for me where I was just like, I, I just I couldn't get my head around it. And I was so fearful. So I listened to this sound and it was in repetitive motion, like scratch, 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 and then it would stop. And then it would be scratch, 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 stop. And it would go on like that. So my first reaction was I had two cats at the time and both of them were at the end of the bed, by which th- this point I hadn't looked. My head was under the covers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So I looked up um, the end of the bed and both my cats were sat with their backs arched, sort of stood with their backs arched, looking into the corner of my room. And um, I sort of lifted my gaze to where they were looking. And I had in between a wardrobe and the exterior wall, I had a a rucksack sort of stuffed down the, the gap. And I watched with absolute disbelief as this rucksack was dragged up in that gap and then pulled down in that gap. And it happened once and I I was like, there's no way I've just seen that. And it happened twice. And I was starting to get incredibly anxious at that point. On the third go of it going up the side, probably about three quarters the height of the wardrobe and being dragged back down again. I, I grabbed a cushion off the bed and threw it in the direction of what was happening. That, in my mind, you know, you can yeah. you can hit a, hit a ghost with a pillow. Well, of course you <laughs> can. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? I would have done anything to get it to stop. It was like a backpack kind of thing? Is that what it was? A rucksack? Yeah. It was a bit, it, yeah, it was a big backpack, probably about 65 litre one. So it was, okay. it was my cat camping one that I, I didn't regularly use. Gotcha. Okay, okay. And that's that's not light. That's a heavy piece of equipment, it sounds like, too. And it was pretty much jammed in that space because I'd really shoved it into that gap. So it was kind of out the way. And, you know, it wasn't used on a regular basis. Please tell me the pillow did the trick. It did. It did. So so people out there who have got ghost problems, throwing a pillow works for a little while. (laughs) Oh, no. So I, I threw the pillow. And, you know, what seemed like a lifetime went by and it it stopped. It didn't happen again. Um, So I shot out of bed. And again, in my rational thinking, I thought, I've got to get rid of the backpack. The backpack must be haunted. So I I grabbed the backpack and I kind of threw it down the stairs and thought, you know, it'd be fine down there. Nothing else is going to happen. Didn't sleep that night at all. I don't know whether you've ever been that scared that you, you kind of, you're on the high alert. Absolutely. So you, well, you're wigged out. I mean, you're just like, I'm waiting for something else to happen. You're waiting for someone to grab you, you know, under the bed or for somebody to be floating above you at that point because you couldn't believe what yeah. you were watching and you saw it go up and down the wall. I, that would freak me out. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't make a horror movie out of it. You know, it's not objects normally move. It's not, you know, oh. it was just such a random thing, you know, to have pulled up and down. Yeah. So that was the biggie for me. And I know it sounds quite mild in, in comparison, but I went to, bizarrely enough, a Christmas dinner um, a few months later and there was a psychic medium there. Mm. And I was with the, I was still dating the, the guy who had had his head pushed under the yeah. sink. Yeah. 
Uh, oh, he stuck around, then, huh? <laughs> he kind of stuck around, yeah. Um, okay, that's good. And, <laughs> and uh, this woman, you know, said, I'm, I'm a psychic medium. And he said, ask her, tell her, tell her about what's going off. So I tentatively told her, I had this theory at the time, and I still do to some extent, that if you talk about your your haunting experiences, that it can actually aggravate the, the activity. Yeah. But I thought, I'm, I'm going to talk to her about it. Sure. So she took some time and she tuned in and she said, uh, you've got a, a child. It's a, chi- a spirit of a child. Okay. And they're just trying to get your attention. Now, looking back, I was very naive and I kind of took what she said on the face of it. I didn't question what she'd said. And she told me, when I go back, talk to this child spirit as though it was sort of a member of the household, you know, that it was meant to be there. So I started going into the house saying, hi, ghost, I'm back and and sort of chatting away as I'm doing, you know, doing my thing. Yeah. I had gone out probably about, I don't know, three weeks later. Again, it was around Christmas time. So I'd gone out for a few drinks with friends mm-hmm. and came back through the door and did the whole, hi, ghost, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, I went into the kitchen. I'd gone to make something to eat, sort of midnight snack, and the kettle turned on. So at that point, no, I, I thought, this is a positive thing. You know, they're putting the kettle on for me. <laughs> you thought that was positive they could burn the house down exactly exactly i ever the optimist ever the optimist (laughs) so it was kind of for quite a while it was quite quiet and it you know there wasn't the scratching anymore or the disturbance and the mood in the house lifted slightly not completely but lifted slightly and it was about that time when i was considering moving so you know we're shifting on a few years now And I was I was thinking about moving out of the property. I mean, that took probably a year, eight months to a year while thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And the atmosphere shifted again in that property to a very depressive atmosphere. And, you know, the, the age old smell started up again and, yeah. and the scratching. Um, I actually moved out of the property before it was sold. And the property had been on the market for, for a few months. And I was in regular contact with the estate agent uh, about the the selling of the property because they were doing the showings because I wasn't in the area. I got a phone call off the estate agent uh, probably about midday. I think it was probably October, November. We were getting into the colder, colder months. And she said, Kate, you've got to come back to the property. She said the entire house is full of flies. What? Uh, Yeah. And I thought... I didn't know what I to what to think. I um, it's, like, it's like straight out of a horror movie. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah. So I had moved everything out of the property. The property had been thoroughly cleaned. You know, there was no food stuff or there was nothing in the property. It was an empty property. So I, I drove back to the property thinking, you know, maybe. I don't know, maybe it's fruit flies. I, I didn't know. It was it was a cold. It was cold. And then the heating hadn't even been on. So it, it was just not adding up. Right. Leslie, I, I tell you, I walked into this property and there was thousands and thousands of blue bottle flies. I mean, big sort of meat flies oh flying, oh flying. God. What? Yeah. I mean, thousands. They were in the air. They were... There were sort of heaps of them on the floor, half dead. There were, um, they were just everywhere. 
So I, I set about, I was literally hoovering them out of the air. Oh. And they'd, they'd been there at least that day, if not, you know, for a few days. And I eventually got them all hoovered up and cleaned up and was sort of, you know, getting the last few. So I decided to investigate because that amount of flies leave yeah. uh, maggot casting. They, they leave these castings where they've gone from maggots to flies. Right. And I thought, well, has somebody put them in the property? Somebody put some maggots through the, the letterbox or had they come up through the drainage that drainage system? Or right. And I, I, I tried to think of everything. I could not find one trace of where these things had come from. It was just seriously bizarre, seriously oh bizarre. Now, did, you, did you have an exterminator come out at all or did you just clean it up and go, okay, you know, what, what did you do after that? Well, I, I cleaned it up and it never occurred again. Oh, it okay. never it okay. never occurred. Wow. It's almost like they were mad at you for leaving, mm-hmm. you know? They wanted me to come back into the property. Oh, and it's, it, it does sound kind of like child play in a way. I'm mad. I'm going to have a tantrum. This is my tantrum. You're going to come back and they're going to make you come back and you'll clean it up and you'll deal with me. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until years later that I, you know, became paranormal investigator. And it's not until I, I started really got over my fear and started researching things that I actually think that the psychic medium I don't think she was wrong but I think she was shown something that was easy for her to tell me so when spirits that are non-human spirits they can often take form of children because they're more easily accepted than if they're in their non-human form I don't think it was so much demonic um, in a Christian sense, but I don't think that what was in that property had any kind of malevolent intentions. Looking back now, if if it had been a case that had landed on, on my desk, a, a private investigation case, I would be dealing with it in terms of a, a malevolent haunting. But it, it was it was an incredible, incredible experience. And uh, yeah, I slept with a light on for quite a number of years after that. Oh, I bet you did. No, and that's the thing. But I'm sure that aided in your want to paranormal investigate. Because after that, after all the things that you'd seen and witnessed and smelled and and had to deal with, I mean, that had to make you go, you know what, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And it's kind of fun. I'm kind of over being scared. I've been living this life for however many years, 11 to 12 years you live there. So now you do paranormal investigate. Wouldn't you love to go back to that house and see? I often think, because it's it's in my hometown, so when, when I go back, I, I often think, do I just go and knock on the door yeah. and ask? Yeah, how's the activity in the house? And, you know, and I know, guys, she lives really close to Sherwood Forest. And in our last episode, episode 60 is the episode that she and I were on, uh, her talking about fairies. And it's been a while since we had that. And I don't remember how you got into doing fairy work. I don't even know if you did that when you were younger. But do you think this could have had anything to do with some of those malevolent fairies? I think it was definitely otherworldly. I don't, I don't know whether I would put it on the face spectrum, yeah. but I would definitely put it on uh, the non-human entity spectrum. I, I think in terms of the, the paranormal investigation side of it, I, I was still terrified when I became a paranormal investigator, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know, did, did I talk to you about this in the previous episode about how that, that came about? No, you know what? I don't think we talked. We said, you know, I'll have to have you back on. We'll talk about doing this. So, no, tell me about how you got into everything. Um, I reached a, a particular birthday 
being a lady, I'm not going <laughs> to say which one. <laughs> we don't talk about um, no problem. <laughs> and um, I was trying to decide something that I wanted to do that was significant to market, mm-hmm. to, to sort of put a milestone. And uh, I was talking to my brother the Easter before my birthday about what I could do to sort of, you know, put a milestone on that occasion. Sure. We were talking about, you know, people doing bungee jumps and, and whatnot and people jumping out of aeroplanes yeah. and, and all those kind of things. And he said, what is the thing that scares you the most that you would, you know, like to get over? Great question. And, yeah. Um, and I said, it's poltergeist activity. That's, that is my biggest fear. So that's where it all stemmed from there, really. I I put it out to the universe and things snowballed very, very quickly. I never particularly set out for the intention of becoming a paranormal investigator with a team. Um, I literally just wanted to have different experiences with different people. And I met some of the most amazing people. Um, And I still do. I mean, I still do. I continue to meet the most amazing people through it. But it was almost like I'd put it out into the universe and the universe went, you can have this with a cherry on the top. You know, it was. (laughs) Well, you've had years of experience with it. So it's not like you were going in blind. You knew the feelings. Let's talk about, okay, you're with a certain, aren't you with a paranormal team right now? I am. I'm with Ghostfinder Paranormal Society, which um, I think you guys get um, we have a, a series over here on TV called Help My House is Haunted. And one of the, I don't know whether you've come across Chris Fleming, is an American psychic medium. I just know, do you remember that it was way back in the early 2000s and I remember watching them. It was, I think they've all been debunked now. And there was a blonde lady and then the man was a, a blonde man, I think as well. And he was the psychic and... They debunked them, not that you need to be debunked, but they debunked them because I think they were just trying to make it overly ghosty and he'd act like he was possessed. And I can't remember the name of the team. So I, I'm sure you're doing much better work. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. Well, my lead investigator, so so my boss is Barry Guy, who is he's on the TV over here anyway. So that it's, oh, wow. it's a fairly well-established and well-known paranormal group. Nice. So we do both events and private cases. So we, we you know, we take people around haunted properties and uh, you know in the UK and we also deal with uh, lots of different private cases which is super interesting. Absolutely. So when you go on these investigations do you go to just normal places or do you go to people's houses do you take a medium do you take someone who can you know give answers to questions those kinds of things? We do both so we're really lucky that we have access to lots of different very old properties and very old uh, places ruins etc caving systems as a, a paranormal events team that we go to and we take guests with us. So we take people on events with us. Nice. We also do private investigations where we're going to people's properties and investigate things that are happening in their properties. I mean, that that is quite a, a lengthy exercise to do that because there is a lot of paperwork that we go through to, to get to a point where we, we start investigating a private property for lots of different reasons that, you know, there's lots of ethical issues involved in private cases. Mm, okay. Now, let me ask you this. You said you go to ruins, you go to places. Have you gone somewhere where a lot of people have heard of? And if so, tell me all about that. And also just, you know, what is the most scary thing other than your own place, your own house, 
where you were really frightened by something and you really had a bad feeling? I would say on the fright factor, I I still retain that rational mind. So no matter where I go, if I hear something or see something or feel something, everybody else will scream out. Everybody else who's experienced it will sort of yell or swear or, you know, all those human responses. I'm about three minutes behind everybody else because my brain is going, could it be X, Y, and Z? Um, And then when I've run out of all the rational, you know, motives that may be there, that's when I suddenly go, oh my goodness, you know. (laughs) I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And and the good thing is you try to debunk. You try to say there might be irrational. Don't, don't go off the handle here. Let's think about this. And I'm sure most of them don't run away because they're used to doing paranormal investigations. But the people that tag along that don't know and don't understand, I'm sure that kind of makes it a little harder for you guys. Sometimes you just go, uh, let's do it without them this time. So (laughs) yeah. And then we were talking about poltergeist. That was one of the things that you were really afraid of and scared of mostly like your house. I'm wondering if it was just a poltergeist, but what started that? Do you know what I mean? Because they're actually conjured up by people, aren't they? That's one of the theories. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, one of the theories is that it's, um, it's, it's your own psychic energy that manifests. And sometimes that manifestation can take on a, a sentience yeah. of its own. So it can become a, a being of its own right. That is one of the theories. And I wouldn't rule that out. You know, it's, um, I wasn't a teenager, but I was in my early 20s when I was living there. Right. It was... You know, I, I, I was just back from university, so I'd, it, it could quite possibly have been my own energy that was pumping out into and it just created this, I don't know, this this being of its own free will, you know, and maybe that's why it took time to manifest, you know, over. That's over. why I was thinking, because also you have abilities of your own, and I, I don't know if you know, sometimes when you don't use them as much as maybe, or or really don't even know you have them, but the entity or the ghosts or spirits or whoever it is, poltergeist, know you can, it almost makes it worse because they just come pounding or scratching in your case. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, the the only thing that I was doing and I have done since I was a teenager, I read tarot cards. Mm. So I've been been doing that since I was 14 and doing that, uh, you know, for the public from early teens. But the thing is, at that time, I had no understanding, knowledge or had even come across the idea of uh, cleansing and grounding and um, all the things that you need to do when you're working in a psychic arena. That that explains it to me. That that really, yeah, yeah, that explains it. And it's not because tarot is bad, but you're right. You do have to do grounding. It's like anytime you work with a Ouija board or any kind of conjuring anything, you are still putting yourself out there. And if you're not protected, uh, that can wreak havoc. And that's maybe what happened with you and or maybe it was a poltergeist. I don't know if you'll really ever have the answers. No, I, I don't either. And I think when, when you're dealing with those abilities and you don't really understand them, you do become you become a, a beacon. And the more you yes. do psychic work, spiritual work, the brighter you get. And that light doesn't just attract light. It attracts all the things out the dark corners as well. So, you know, I, I very much understand that now, but I, I it didn't even enter into my into my thoughts, at, you know, at that time of doing it. Now you also let's talk just just really quickly about fairies, because I know everybody loved your expertise in them. They loved hearing what you what your thoughts were, you know, how you got into it. So can you give everybody a brief knowledge of what you think the Fae are and anything that's happened lately? Okay, so uh, happening lately, 
Not not a great deal in the sense of having any experiences. I, I, they, they've definitely come back out of the woodwork for me. They they kind of shied off at the start of the the lockdown over here. And Kate, have you always had an ability with these with with the Fae? There's something that's for some reason rung true with you, and it's and it's something that's you're able to pick up on. And and why do you think that is? So I, the thing I've I've always understood. I think I said this in the, in the last one. I've always understood that there is this otherworldly realm and uh, never really questioned its existence but never worked really with the Fae up until becoming a paranormal investigator I mean I've I've always had sort of you know bits and bobs of fairy paraphernalia around and you know the wonderful books of Brian Froud and you know always been interested in the artwork when I became a paranormal investigator I really uh, worked on remote viewing of properties so psychically looking at properties from distance without entering into them before we went on investigation just so I could get a sense of what was going on and what was happening was I, I wasn't coming across the spirits of the dead as much as I was coming across these other things and And these things we're attributing to hauntings. And that's really where that communication level came from, that I understood I didn't really need to communicate with them because a lot of the time they really wanted somebody to talk to who noticed them. So, you know, I would remotely go into a property. Usually that, well, always that hadn't been to before. So I would go into the property in my mind have a wander around, see if I could pick anything up that was significant. And on a rare occasion, I would get the spirit of somebody who'd passed over. But more often than not, I would get these these beings. And oftentimes they are just, they're, they're like so full of energy when they kind of see that you can see them. Mm. Um, they will talk like a, a child who's drank too much coffee. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, I'm not going to lie. The first thing that comes to mind in a haunting or any kind of activity in a house is not the Fey realm. It, it's yeah. not, I don't think it's really anybody's go-to. Yet, for some reason, when you saw these things or identified them, however you did that, you knew what they were. And I don't even know how you weren't afraid of them. Maybe they presented themselves in a sweet way. I don't know about Tinkerbell. I don't even know if they look like that. But, I mean... Why is that, that the Fae do have more influence on hauntings than maybe we think they do? Uh, Yeah, I I don't know which way round this goes, but I have theories that either Fae are attracted to properties that are haunted because of the energy that creates, or whether hauntings are particular in properties that have Fae in them already. I think there's something I've been speaking recently with, with a good friend of mine, Neil Rushton, about, and he's a big fairy expert, but about the, the concept of energies of the land so uh, wherever there's earth energy that that creates sort of an attractive energy for all these things so uh, otherworldly entities uh, spirits of the deceased etc I'm not quite sure you know I've got lots of hypotheses there are a lot of hypotheses out there so I, I don't know I think when you get into the more malevolent end of the fae so those that are a little more mischievous on the side of you know wanting to cause harm right uh, they tend to be in properties where there is deliberate hauntings from malevolent spirits that have passed over so human oh. spirits that have passed over okay i was just thinking while you were talking too i was like you know it's almost like in the spirit world they're all kind of connected 
And it's, it's just a matter of, okay, well, we're haunting this house and I know we're going to attract all kinds of things. Um, even the Fae. So they just kind of go where they're going to get attention. And if that means a very haunted house or building or whatever, it sounds like that's where they're going to go. And that's what you picked up on. Yeah. I think beyond that as well, it's, it's, uh, it's about energy levels. So if you, these are energetic beings, they survive, thrive and can only really exist in the material plane with a, an energy power pack. And this is kind of goes for the entities, uh, spirits of the dead, as well as other otherworldly entities. So to be in this environment, in the material realm, they have to have an energy source to keep them going, keep them in this plane, because it's very heavy and very dense. And to be a, an energy would mean that without the energy source, you would kind of disperse, if you like, or be pushed back into your own realm. So if you have a particular property that has a high level of dark, malevolent matter, if you think about it, living in a property like that, you are going to have a high level of fear, a high level of anxiety, which means that it becomes this powerhouse uh, of human energy and tension, you know. So that's one theory that attracts them in because they can get to a point of infestation you know they can find properties that are particularly good for this energy power path and sort of go in and, and infest the property so it's not just you know one or two you, you have dozens of and they add to this cycle they add to this cycle of anxiety from a human perspective and the depression and the darkness that I was talking to you about in my own property you know that all adds into a into a melting pot as well so it's yeah. fascinating stuff. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you about this. What about the house you're living in now? Is it at all haunted? Do you have Faye anywhere near you or are you all clear now? <laughs> no, I'm not all clear now. Um, <laughs> I, you were asking earlier about re, if I'd had any recent things. And yes. I, I actually YouTube this in the summer about this because I've completely forgotten. And I'm sorry if I've, I've said this on the previous podcast, but I had two incidents, significant ones. One was last year's summer solstice, and the second one occurred this year's summer solstice. Wow! And I, I didn't realise that they'd both occurred at the same time until I reread a diary. I'd flicked through a diary. So last year's experience was I had just again just gone to bed. I know I've got Faye familiar, shall I say, that's around me on and off on occasion. Okay. Um, it gets a little bit. Um, this is this sounds nuts, but he gets a little bit uh, crazy if it, if I don't give him jobs to do. So no, they like it. They like having jobs, and they like when you give them gifts, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'd kind of forgotten about him for a while, as you do, because yeah. of every, you know everyday stresses. And I hadn't even put my head on the pillow, and I heard this sound that just went he 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 he, wow. and I was I was like, no way. <laughs> what on earth is that my partner right now he he was like did you hear that and I said and then it happened again it was three times the second time it was like got louder and and stronger and it was like something at the foot of the bed that could just get its head over the foot of the bed that was that was the audible I tell you what there was no fear there was absolutely no it was just just one of those, this is crazy. I felt no panic or sense of, it was just something being really cheeky. That's that's um, <laughs> how I can describe it. 
So this summer solstice, and again, I didn't clock that they were solstice when they both happened, and like I say, until I read the diary. Um, I was I was asleep, and I was woken up by what I thought was the dog jumping on the bed, and it was one of those stirred myself awake and thinking how she got on on the bed. She's very old. Yeah. That's something she used to do when she, when she was younger. And then I felt that compression on the bed leave the bed to which I kind of was fully awake at that point because the dog was the other side of the bedroom and then the bed clothes started being pulled off the bottom of the bed and it was one of one of those classics and it felt like it was being I was so mad I was so annoyed (laughs) I I literally kicked my legs and swore out loud. You know, I was like, I can't be doing this. You know, I'm trying to get some sleep. Yeah, but you've then, been avoiding that. You know, you've been avoiding him or her for so long. They want attention now. You're not giving them attention. So they're going to make you give them attention. Definitely. And the fact that it was on the, the summer solstice, which is the heightened time yes. for the for the two worlds coming together. And um, yeah, but I... The, the thing is, so many weird things happen. You know, once you sort of open yourself up to these things, that I mean, they're still amazing occurrences, but they, they don't seem to be as prominent and logged in the memory as when before I kind of said, okay, then I open myself up to the, to the world of the weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you were frightened of them before. Now you're not as frightened. So whenever it happens, you're not logging it in your mind and, and up all night, freaked out all night you know you're like kicking yeah. him at the end of the bed going okay I'm done guys no I don't have time for this I gotta get some sleep I've got work to do leave me alone so I I understand why they're not bothering you as much uh, in your mind as they used to but they're still trying to get your attention which that's really all they want they just want your attention isn't that funny yeah I mean I totally agree with you I totally agree and I think that once I started understanding that the only thing really that's ever going to sort of help you in a in a situation where you have these experiences is your own energy levels Um, and and if you can remain calm and in control of those situations, then you're not feeding them that power pack of energy. You know, um, I mean, th- this thing was very different. He follows me around, like I say, and I, and I picked him up from a paranormal event. Um, oh, God, that must have been about three, three years ago now. Wow. OK, so uh, this one did follow you home. OK, that's nice. Yeah, he, he, I, I sound, I am going to sound nuts now, but bless him, he was lonely. He, he'd been attached to somebody else and yeah, that person had passed on and he, he was kind of hanging around and he was lonely. Well, you know, if they're not going to really do anything bad to you, I mean, okay, they're going to tease you. They're going to do little tricks here and there. They're not doing anything bad. Why not? Why not let them have somebody they can hang out with, right? Exactly. I felt sorry for him. Oh, I do. Oh. And he's amused. He's amusing sometimes. Bless Real him. quick, how do they look? Like, how does he present himself to you? You know, for all the psychic work that I do, I cannot get a psychic fix on what he looks like. Really? Um, I have worked in a close seance. I've worked with people who know nothing about him. And with me not even being on, on a spirit board, but other people being on a spirit board has come through and given, given messages through that 
in the fey realm i mean they are as diverse as the animal kingdom they they can range from you know they can range from not quite the tinkerbelly but that you know they can use glamour and look beautiful and and sylph like and you have you know your water spirits etc um but for me the ones that i deal with in haunted properties tend to be a little on the kind of the gnarlier side they tend to be uh, a little gobliny type yeah. figures yeah. you know they're, they're not frightening at all to I mean, I'm sure they would scare somebody if they, if they came through sort of materially because it's that we have this association with these things being on the demonic devilish spectrum because that's how uh, a lot of Christian writing would have described sort of uh, devils, little right. devils, right. Uh, which are your imps and your goblins and, and, and your hobgoblins. So in, in the recesses of our mind, most people would undoubtedly, you know, see them in that kind of spectrum. But... They're not. They're they're no more sort of devilish or or, or demonic than, say, a snake or a a, a tarantula or, you know, the things that we don't quite find pleasant within the animal kingdom. You know, their agenda isn't to wreak terror on us. Their agenda is just whatever their agenda is. It's, It's just... They're not capable of understanding humanity in the in the same sense that right. we do. You know, and as soon as we all understand, and I think I'm starting to really understand, there's so many things out there that we probably aren't even scratching the surface as to all the, all the things that are are in different dimensions that we just in our 3D bodies we just can't see. And these are just some of the things. But Kate, you have been fantastic, as usual, just like last time. And I want you to tell everyone where they can find you. I know you have a YouTube channel. So give everybody all of your information. Okay, so I am on YouTube. I am Kate Hair Girl Ray, hair as in bunny rabbit. I am Kate Hairgale Ray on both Instagram and on Facebook. Um, I've got a paranormal page on Facebook as well. So um, more than happy to talk to you, to anybody about the subjects. It's um, the more people I talk to, the more kind of knowledge that I gain as well. It's I find it absolutely fascinating to to talk to people about their experiences as absolutely. well. So yeah, no. And that's the thing. That's why I wanted to have you back because everybody's so different. And I still, I I understand why you were freaked out at the very beginning, but now it's funny how it has led you to the path you're on now. So it kind of came full circle, you know? It did. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a a blessing in the weirdest of disguises. Yeah, yeah. And I will add all of your information on my show notes. And again, Kate, thank you so, so much for joining me. You are a pleasure. Thank you, Leslie. Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.